Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hi, Aaron. Hi. <laughs> how, you, how you doing? Okay. I mean, I think uh, I know. I think it is relevant to bring up something personal this episode, just because I think it sort of colored my reading of this book this week and sort of like my emotional state probably now uh that my grandmother passed away this week she passed away on friday morning so in between the last recording and this recording there's been uh a lot happening and so um i read this book sort of in in two days and uh you know emotionally still dealing with a lot of stuff because it's right now in the time that we're in you're not able to do the things that you would normally do when somebody really close to you passes um and so it's been sort of like trying to work through those feelings as well so just to be very honest with everybody out there that i don't know how i'm feeling i'm a little raw but i'm still here with you so well i you know i'm sorry for your loss and i know how close you were to to your grandma so i appreciate you you know can still doing this i nobody would hold it against you if you wanted to delay it or anything like that so yeah it's but you know sometimes it's it helps to i don't know sometimes it helps to do the normal things right yeah i mean that's the thing that i've learned like how much then you crave normalcy when something like wild happens because you're just like, well, if, if this is happening, then I feel normal. And sort of today, I really allowed myself to, like, I could have gone back to work today, but I didn't. Because I was like, I do need a little bit of space. And it's actually really nice to have the only thing I needed to do read a, was to read a romance novel. Because it really, they really do help me process emotions sometimes. Um and I like that you know that they're going to end happily and all these things. So it's like a very feel it feels like a very safe space for me um, to be when I do feel like a little bit raw. I mean, different romances, obviously, there are ones that are a little bit more heavy than others. And I think the one we read this week was pretty light. So it didn't feel as, you know, like I was saying, if this had been like a dark paranormal romance, I would have been it would have been maybe a little bit tougher. But who knows? Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you know, hanging in there and, yeah. uh, do you think if you would have read a new species, would that have been the ultimate balm? <laughs> yes. I mean, if only we had been able to read new species this week, that would have been my true joy is, is that weird series. And I, every time I read one of those books, I truly end up laughing out loud, just of like pure joy, exuberance. So... Yeah, well, maybe, I guess maybe next if, month if you're having a hard time, we'll just whip out one of those. We'll we'll, we'll ha- we have the right to right. say, "Hey guys, we're calling an Audible. We're doing new species instead of this book." You know. Like there's just a new species under glass like break in case of emotional <laughs> vulnerability. Yeah, in case of tragedy, break glass. Uh I mean, we will go back to that series even if there isn't anything major and hopefully there won't be anything else. I think you know, emotionally, these past three months have been tough on everybody. And I think hopefully we all get a break for a little while. Yes, absolutely. So what then what did we read this week? This week, we read the Bromance Book Club, Bromance Book Club number one by Lisa K. Adams. Um, so this was a book that last month when we were having people choose between two books uh, that we put up and it ended up people chose the hating game instead of this book but we had so many people who really loved this book and wanted us to read it we also wanted to read it that we figured let's just throw it in next month so that's what we ended up reading yes and i was at 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 first very surprised that this book lost out to the hating game uh when when initially lost but i ended up really loving the hating game right which so i was really happy that it had won this was a book that I had purchased when it was on sale for two ninety nine, so that's why I was rooting for it at the time <laughs> against the hating game, which I famously complained about the price of. You always so, complained about the price, and now this one is back up to eleven, and I ended up having to spend eleven dollars, but it was oh, okay. Oh man! Well, that's, you know, you know. But here's the thing: you gotta, you gotta pay for art. 
you got to support artists. You got to support people who do creative things because the market out there is not, the money isn't what it used to be because everything's so scattered and it's so easy for people to steal stuff that it's very hard for people to make a living. So as much as I complain, it, I, you know, I can't begrudge paying for a, 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 a somebody else's creativity. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Don't pirate books. It's just a shitty thing to do. That's really bad. Like, you shouldn't pirate anything. When I was in college, I of course, I did the Napster LimeWire thing because it was so cool back then and I was broke. But if you if you're if you're at a certain point where, you know, you can you can afford it, just just consume what you can afford. I mean, that's the thing is like not everything should be. I'm getting in a different, I don't want to go on this because then it's like exclusionary and stuff. I'm not trying to be exclusionary. I just think that artists should be supported. Well, and also I think especially with books, it's like you can join a local library and a lot of libraries now have electronic lending programs. So it's not, you know, money is tight for everybody. And I don't think that just because you don't have the money doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to enjoy books, obviously. But then there are ways to go about it in like an honest and upfront way and borrow from your local library. And if you don't, there we have a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of people that post on our Facebook group, uh, our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop, who use the library for their books. And also we have a few librarians that listen and they very much tout all of the benefits of having a library card and all the accessibility that the library gives you. And it is like, look into it. Honestly, this sounds like we're being sponsored by your local library, but (laughs) look into it. You will be so surprised what some, some libraries, even you can stream movies for free. Did you see there's there's libraries where you can check out different like cooking pans? So like if you want to bake a cake in a certain like in a heart shape but you don't have a heart shaped pan, like there are libraries where you can go and like rent a I don't I don't bake enough to know what that's called, but rent like a mold, like a, a cake mold or something. I bet you it's a heart shaped pan. I couldn't think of any technical name for that, but that's awesome. Isn't that's that awesome. So cool? Uh, yeah, so patronize your local library, everybody. It's great. They always have wonderful programs. Like some of my like happiest memories growing up were at our local library. It was also just in a beautiful building, so we were really lucky. Yeah, I used to go when I used to live in Soho. What was it? It was called the God. I wish I could remember what the branch name was, but it was in an old church. That's and so you'd cool. walk up these. The it wasn't like a spiral staircase in the sense that it was suspended, but it was stone steps, and it was like a spiral, and you would walk up it. It was it's a beautiful building, and it it's still even being in my twenties, in my early thirties, going in there. It just felt magical. I felt like a kid. It was what was I going to discover today? What was I going to find that I didn't even know existed before I walked into this building? It's a magical feeling. Oh, totally. Um, And also, you know, we can't mention romance and librarians without mentioning our favorite romance librarian, um, Cunnilingus Gate from Taking the Heat by Victoria Dahl. Yes, that's right. He's the best. He was the he's the he's the alpha and the omega of uh, hot librarians. So far, listen, if you have a book that you think their librarian is hotter than Gabe, we want to read it. We love librarians. The interesting thing is, especially to have a hero that is a librarian or interested in books, because it, it the the more I have dealt with the publishing industry and going to BookCon and places like this, dudes don't read books. It's it's amazing how predominantly female the the book buying public are and i'm not saying that's bad i don't want men to hey guys we got to dominate this like we dominate everything else but i i just think that more men should read because it's just a a a good pastime to have and i do think it actually will i mean that feeds into the book we're about to talk about i mean the stereotype is that men don't read fiction um and i which I feel like is true just anecdotally with like the men in my life don't read a lot of fiction, but it does sound so corny, but it is true that like you read a 
you read fiction, you read someone's story, and it's really hard to not then empathize with more people once you've read a story about anybody's experience that's different than your own. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm just going to say, I think the world would be a better place if more people read fiction. I could not agree more. All right. Do you think we've spent enough time trying to convince all of our listeners to read books? <laughs> the people who probably <laughs> least need the convincing. They're I like, know. yeah, honey, we know <laughs> we've read 12 Preaching this week. to the choir. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Clayton, what do you think of this cover? I like this cover a lot. And mm. as much as we talk about cartoon covers, we bash cartoon covers uh, const- constantly. Mm-hmm. I think it's striking. I mean, obviously, it invokes the famous Born in the USA Bruce Springsteen cover because you're seeing a guy's tush and jeans. The, I will say, the cover of the book in the pocket looks a lot like our podcast art yeah which but i mean our podcast art is great by the way well, i love and it our podcast art is also ripping off a joanna Lindsay book so i mean it's not and i was gonna say and i was gonna say is it invokes a very classic romance cover mm-hmm. our podcast art is great art and this book is a great cover what, what did you think I totally agree. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Mary Purdy, who did our podcast art. And she's a wonderful artist. And she's on Instagram. If you want to follow her, I love all of her stuff. Um, but I I love the cover as well. I mean, the bromance is done in like a baseball style, which I like that it's sort of a nod to this being a sports romance without it being like a guy in a jersey. Um, I agree. The daisies are a nice touch as well. Um, but so there was a conversation that happened this week that I feel like we would be, I would be remiss if I didn't sort of like acknowledge, um, about cartoon covers versus like the, the photorealistic covers or or more traditional covers. Um, and an angle that people brought up on Twitter, uh, in regards to cartoon covers was how, For a lot of people, cartoon covers are the only option because if you are writing about an underrepresented group or, uh, you know, a very specific hero or heroine, it might be near impossible to find stock photos that sort of match your vision, match that. You know, if it's because it's, uh, you know, lesbian couples or gay couples or, uh, you know, just non-white couples. So, uh, and also that if you are a self-publisher, then a lot of times cartoons are at a much lower price point for you. Um, And you're also employing somebody who is creating the art as well. So I feel like in our conversations previously, and this is like my fault, I I never really considered anything at that angle. Um, And so I just want to acknowledge it. And it's sort of, you know, thank you to anyone on Twitter who sort of brought up those points. And it really, you know, had me look at it a different way. So I want to say that, you know, I'm not 100% anti-cartoon cover anymore. I still do love a traditional cover, don't get me wrong, but I I really see the need for cartoon covers and, uh, you know, the artistry within them, I think, is is really great as well. So um, I want to sort of amend my previous statements, possibly. Wow, that's so, it's so rare in this media landscape (laughs) for someone to get different information and change their mind. So you are a, uh, a better person than most people who speak into microphones. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I, I love this. This cover manages to tell you a lot um, because it's also sort of like a man with the book in his pocket. But also you can see that it's like earmarked. He has little post-its in it and he's holding the daisies and it makes you think like it invokes somebody who does feel sorry about something is now standing in front of a door like knocking on the door like oh I hope she lets me in which is kind of what this book is about hey guys want to talk real quick about a new book coming out from Kensington Press uh, Wind River Undercover it is part of the Wind River Valley series by Lindsay McKenna Discover the true meaning of love and freedom in the American West with the Wind River Valley series written by New York Times bestselling author, U.S. Navy veteran, and genre pioneer, Lindsay McKenna. 
With her signature military and law enforcement heroes in a Western romance setting, this distinguished author's finest talents combine to bring this engrossing series to a close as two federal DEA agents go undercover in the ranching community to finally take down the cartel that has darkened their doorstep for good. Whoa. So this is the this is the end of something. We're getting in on the end. I'm okay, so Western. DEA. So they're busting drug dealers. Cartel. This is gonna be action packed, sexy. I mean the cover of this book is a handsome cowboy with a really cool looking dog there. (laughs) I think that's probably his that's probably a drug sniffing dog, I'm assuming. So this this sounds really awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. It's a modern Western with intrigue and going undercover. I'm sure there's some sexy undercover situations happening. You know, we always talk about how the first book is the toughest book in a series. I feel like this last book is going to be probably, you know, the culmination of everything. So uh, it sounds really exciting. And I definitely am excited to, to read it. I've never read Lindsay McKenna, and I'm excited to, to check her out. And she's a veteran. Which is really awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, so she knows Lindsay. what she's writing about. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean your Navy service and your romance service <laughs> for writing these books. But yeah, this looks awesome. So check out Wind River Undercover, available where all books are sold. Anyway, what was this book about? Okay, so this book was about Gavin, who is a player, he's a baseball player, who is having trouble with his wife, Thea. They have just separated because he has never given her an orgasm, except for one time after he hits a grand slam and realizes that her reaction is way different than it used to be and gets mad at her and starts living in the guest room. I mean, bad reaction, Gavin, but we'll get back to it. So they're separated. His, the other players on the team and another guy who's friends with these guys say, you fucked up, Gavin. We need to teach you how to get your woman back. We've got this club where we read romance novels. And what you have in this book is you have a few segments of that book, which is a Regency, interspersed with Gavin's quest to to repair his marriage. And there's other things that go on, but that's like the main crux of it. So that's what's going on in this book. That was so succinct. That was the most succinct I think you've ever done. So Good job. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what did you think of the book? I have a lot to say about this book. Great. And I will start out by saying the things that I liked about this book. So the main problem or the main, I guess, driving force of this narrative is that Gavin has never given his wife an orgasm she's faked it she didn't tell him he figures out from her having her first orgasm with him and then his reaction is pretty bad it's maybe the worst reaction you could have in that situation and i loved the fact that this book tackled that issue which is sexual satisfaction in a relationship and how the lack of communication between two people can be so poisonous Mm -hmm. and how ego, especially on the men's side, can really destroy a sexual relationship. Because I think he, as a baseball player, as a quote-unquote athlete, as a man he felt so shitty as a competitor that he couldn't make his wife come because it felt like in his mind, oh, well, you know, I can hit a baseball, so I can definitely hit a G-spot. 
And I, I think that is so wrongheaded and so prevalent in society and especially among men. Men don't talk about their insecurities in the bedroom. They don't talk about their shortcomings in the bedroom. They don't talk about things that I think are important. And I think, and I'm not going to speak for women, but some of the girls that I know, a lot of the girls that I know, are very open about issues in the bedroom and things that they work on with their their partners and things like that. And I think that's healthy. And I think guys don't do it enough. They're so worried that if they say, hey, this happened to me, or I couldn't get it up, or it's very hard for me to give my current partner an orgasm, they'll be looked at as losers or failures or not men. And I think that was a huge thing about this book that I really liked because we haven't really seen that covered in in any of the books that we've read before, right? Yeah, and I think there's an element of romance that is escapism and is wish fulfillment and and fantasy. And so, you know, that you would go to bed with someone and he would know your body so intimately and that you would have like four orgasms the first time you have sex is... Like, I'm not knocking books for that happening because I like it. I want it to happen. There's a reason it's happening. And it becomes sort of shorthand for them having a good relationship or or them, you know, being in love. But it was so interesting to see this tackled because also female orgasms are really difficult to achieve. Um, and I liked that, you know, to skip ahead in the book, that sort of the way that the problem was solved is they each had to work on external things or and internal things and they had to have a better relationship and be able to build that trust between the two of them where they she could relax within the act to be able to come and that he needed to really start paying attention to her and what she wanted and and they were able to have that communication because i think especially with romance you know we've talked about this before but you know when people say it's just smut or whatever it is overly dismissive because I do feel like with romance novels the sex scenes only ever add to the experience and it's like if you are reading a romance and you could lift the sex scenes out and nothing would change within the book then that is not a particularly good romance and those are not particularly good sex scenes and I've read books like that and they're very boring the when a romance works is that the sex scene is another scene that is driving things forward that they're expressing things to each other through the sex scene and it's really important and fundamental to their relationship and to the story um and that was continued within this book the fact that they couldn't meet each other in the bedroom and they could not meet each other in basically any other aspect of their life it was a constant reflection so that then when you did they were together and they were able to you know have a satisfying sexual experience and she was able to come and um and everything, it really was the culmination of the story. And that was sort of, I mean, more or less the end. Um, so I loved that as well. And it is also just, you know, it's, it's, women aren't, like, women just don't come every time you have sex. And I think that's also something that, like, people don't really talk about much. And it, and it's not necessarily even that you aren't enjoying what's happening. It's just there are other things on your mind sometimes or it's just not happening or you're not in the right mood or whatever it could be. So, um, yeah, I loved that that was tackled in this book and it was really great. And it, and it showed sort of like how you have to humble yourself sometimes to to be able to get where you want to go. And there's a, a scene in it while they're when they're reconciling. So he he moves into the guest room and then they basically just decide on a divorce and he is going to move out and he's out of the house for a little bit, but then he comes back and he puts all they're trying to reconcile. And he says, give me till Christmas to win you back. This is after he, he joins the club, which we'll talk about the bromance book club, but she rushes in and jumps on him and they start having sex. And he's saying to her, come for me, come for me. And she just, is into it, into it, and then not. And Mm -hmm. she's just like, you can't just tell me to come. That's not going to work. And he gets so focused on the orgasm, the female orgasm, as the exclusive goal 
as the end-all be-all. And when you do that, that is a losing battle. Because as you said, there's so much more involved with sex between anybody, but we're talking right now between like um, uh, the man and the woman. There's the emotional, there's the, there's the sexual, obviously the physical, but there's all these different things that mix together. There's confidence on the man's side. There's feeling safe on the women's side. There's feeling safe on the man's side, feeling not judged on the man's side, right? That it's just this stew that it's it's so hard to get it right. And when you do, it's explosive. But if it, if it doesn't work, it's so easy for you to be like, I'm a shitty cook and my stew was never going to taste good. <laughs> you know? And once you start thinking that, that's really damaging, especially when you can't talk to your partner and say, let's... Why is the stew not good? Let's figure out the ingredients that makes our stew the best kind of stew because it's always different. I mean, I've been with thousands of women. No, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) I've been with very few women. Somewhere in between that. Mm -hmm. Every woman that I've been with, it's been different. Right. There's been a different combination of things. There's been different aspects that need to be taken care of it's just and that's i think what makes relationships so great and unique is that it's never the same you can't it's not like i got this trick that always works now that happens in sitcoms and movies but not the same thing doesn't always work the same way it's just not the way things are and i think i mean obviously this book doesn't really get into that aspect of it but it does do a very good job of showing two people trying to work on their sexual chemistry along with working on their marriage. Because their sexual issues, like you said, were reflections of their backstories, which is what they get into because they start talking about backstory because he's reading the books and realizing that the backstory is what feeds into the heroine's issues. And he has to know that to solve the issues he's having with the heroin, which I thought worked really well. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like the impetus for them breaking up was, you know, him realizing that she's been faking it their whole marriage and then him moving out and icing her out for a month. And then she sort of says, I want a divorce. But at the end of the day, they're not getting a divorce because she couldn't have, she didn't have orgasms with him. It was like such a bigger thing. And I think that happens also a lot in relationships. Like the thing that is the last thing is never the real reason. Like I have a friend who was dating a guy for like five years and I think they were living together. And what are their names? (laughs) I don't actually, this, this happened like before she and I became friends. Um, her name is Kelly. You know her. And Oh, wow. Um, Do I have to cut that out? Uh, No. I She would tell you the story. And also, I oh, think that's cool. a common enough name. Anyway, so she bought a sandwich one day, and she ate half of her sandwich, and then she put the other half in the fridge, and she went to work. And she worked, like, a full shift, and she came home. It was late at night, and she had just been thinking about her sandwich the whole shift. So she I'm getting angry. Home. I do not like where this is going. So she comes home and she opens the fridge. And of course, it's like one in the morning and nothing's open. And she's just perfect wants to sandwich go to bed. time. He had eaten the sandwich an hour before. Ugh. And she was like, You ate my fucking sandwich. And he was like, Well, yeah, it was in the fridge. And she's like, But I wanted to eat it. And he was like, Yeah. And she's like, Well, I'm hungry. And he was like, Well, you can make something else. And she left him. <laughs> and it was like, Obviously. She didn't really leave him because of a sandwich, but that was just exemplifying their entire relationship to the point where she was like, it's the sandwich. And now the sandwich was the last straw and I got to get the hell out of here. So, you know, that's what I, I, for some reason I was thinking about the sandwich when I was reading about the orgasm, because like, it's not the orgasm. The orgasm is just the final thing. Yes. So. Uh, he's lucky she didn't kill him. 
Actually, she told that story on my um, old podcast, Ghost Stories, so you can 100% keep your name in. And if you want to find Kelly Newton's episode, you will hear more about the sandwich story. And you will hear me hearing it for the first time. Wow. Have we, we've we plugged this uh, defunct podcast, I think, <laughs> recently, right? Another well, we episode. We talked about when Michelle was. was on talking about like the astrology, like dating the signs as well. That's right. Great episode. Yeah, go. You know what? You, people have time. Go listen to all those. They're all really good. I was on it three, three times. Three times. I forced my way onto it twice. <laughs> yeah. The first time I was asked, we asked the second you the first two times. Time. But you kept calling us and saying, you know, I have more info I want to talk about. We were like, come on, back, I guess. <laughs> I guess. We we got to just anything to get rid of this guy. But yeah, <laughs> it, it is it is, it is is not just one thing. Right. And, and that is that is so true. The thing, though, now I'm going to get, now I'm going to get into territory that people might not like. I was, at the end of the day, very disappointed in this book and i feel like it was such a great idea and i don't know now i'm not gonna say i don't know i know that in my opinion i don't think it paid off in the way it could have because i i felt that the characters never became anything more than stereotypes and sitcom-y characters. I didn't know why Gavin is somebody that Thea would want to be with. There was never anything about him that made me feel like, yes, she needs to hold on to him. Now, yeah, he was trying to, you know, get better and improve. But they didn't seem to have a special connection other than the fact that he stuttered and she didn't make fun of it, which is crazy because what they're in their mid 20s, it's 2020. Like a guy has a stutter and that's a huge deal. Like, I don't know. Like, that seems a little bit crazy to me that everybody made such a big deal of his stutter. I feel like the stutter was used as more character development than it necessarily deserved. Because it was used to show him as somebody who had vulnerability. But you don't need to give them, you don't have to give a character something like that as a shorthand. You can develop something else. Her sister, who lived with her, never rose above the, if you hurt her, I'll kill you, sassy sidekick. And his friends in the book club were you had the one guy just basically spouting all of the reasons why romances are great. And I love that. But it felt like it was cut and pasted from interviews of romance authors or people who were pro-romance in the way that didn't seem in the voice of that character. Right. Also, the men, okay, men don't slam each other at the beginning of every sentence they say to each other. They don't say douchebag. They don't say, hey, douchebag, blah, 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 or flick each other off or say, I fucking hate you. The the aggression, the tossed off aggression between all the men did, and I, listen, I know this is a female space here, but I'm, I'm speaking as a man, that that is not my experience with the men that I've been around. And I do think that it does a disservice to these characters because it does make them seem like moronic dunderheads. Mm-hmm. And especially when they're spouting this stuff, it feels like they're only spouting the pro feminist romance stuff to get back with their women. You know, it like it, it does just seem like when and a lot of times they'd be like, oh, wink at her. They love that shit or this or this or that. And yeah, sometimes you do say so and so loves this shit. But the, the male characters were just drawn very broadly. Don't even I don't even want to start with the Russian who that was so what confusing. Was, why was he just shitting all the time? Like 
that's the sitcom stuff. And then when they come in in disguises, when they're at the restaurant, and it, it, that is the stuff that maybe be like, what what is the tone? The tone in this book was all over the place. Right. And the humor didn't land for me because nobody ever said anything surprising. Like, the thing that impressed me about the hating game was that the rapport and the repartee between the two characters felt natural. It felt of the characters. And also, once in a while, those characters would say something surprising. There'd be a reference or there'd be a joke that was surprising to me. Everything referenced in this book and everything the characters said came off very much as boilerplate, as, you know, uh, pumpkin spice, uh, bacon, all these things that are basic. And in the book, they say the guys are drinking uh, pumpkin spice and are like, the only reason people talk shit about pumpkin spice is because of of uh, uh, toxic masculinity and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I mean, it's a thing in culture that everybody overhypes. It's the same thing with bacon. It's overhyped. Yes, bacon is good, but it's not the end-all be-all. Pizza is fine. It's not the end-all be-all. I don't, I mean, I think there are things that definitely are shit-talked because they are feminine or uh, aimed towards women, romance novels to be one. But to, to say that just, I felt like was, it, it's it's just such a basic, uh, you know, opinion to have. And it, it, it disappointed me because there's so much in this book that could have been great and to have, and this book could have been a great entry point for people like myself who wanted to start reading romance. And I think that was what it was intended to be. But when you have male characters that are so stereotypical, you have the Russian who's just shitting himself all the time, it, it, it does not play to the height of the intelligence of a reader and that's what was so disappointing to me yeah well I feel like it's it's especially interesting to hear you talk about this book because it is you know aimed at male romance readers and it is sort of the hypothesis of the book is kind of like what if men read romance and sort of brought that into their lives uh, but I agree that I had a really difficult time within the book club of even knowing who was who like it never felt like I had a good read on who any of the individual characters were um other than the Russian who was just constantly shitting uh and it 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 was a little bit frustrating and you know obviously everything that was being said about pumpkin spice lattes or uh you know the derision of uh, romance novels or traditional female spaces like i agree with everything that was being said but i just really get annoyed when i feel like those things are brought up for the reader and not for the characters yeah i didn't feel i felt like she was saying to me like isn't it interesting to have a man say that this was in that this is how they feel don't you agree and i'm like i do agree but it's also it doesn't feel organic it doesn't feel like the way that he speaks in other aspects of the novel and i do think that there is a way to convey that or have him say that in a way that felt a little bit more organic because i mean you've said that to me and we've had conversations with other people when they find out that we do this podcast and you've spoken like very intelligently about romance and why romance is typically um, you know, not seen in the same light as other aspects of uh, fiction uh, without it sounding so preachy. Uh, and I just got, I was just annoyed by it. Even though I agree with everything that's being said, I think it's true. Um, and I agree too about sort of Gavin and Thea where it's hard. It's hard because this is the second chance romance. So they've, theoretically they've already fallen in love and we just didn't get to see that on the page which is fine uh and we're watching them fall in love again and i i i felt like it was hard because i didn't really see like i understood why gavin wanted thea because basically thea like i think a lot of women basically runs every aspect of his life so that he doesn't have to think about anything except for baseball and I think I know a lot of women who are having that experience with their husbands. 
not baseball in particular, but like their jobs. And so like everything else gets taken care of. I, I get why he would want to continue that going happening. But for her, I agree where it's like, I, I never understood why she fell in love with him. I, I never felt like those were, there were scenes where it was like, oh, this is them when they are just themselves. And this is why they need each other. And this is how they sort of, uh, are better together because that happens she she doesn't need him right where i'm like if she had gone to like if she got that house paid off gone to vanderbilt like you know what i mean like like thea without gavin is great and i don't know that thea with gavin is any different And not that you need to be in a relationship to have a better life, but it's like we read romances because we want two people to come together and then in being together sort of spurn each other on to be better versions of themselves and and a bigger version of themselves and sort of together to be something greater. And I agree that I never quite, I, I never got that feeling of like, no, these two are perfect together. They need to be together. Yeah, because they were a shotgun wedding. And the only thing that she, the only positives that she thought about him were physical aspects of him. How he looked in a V-neck sweater. How he looked when he was coming out of the shower. I mean, obviously, she's very physically attracted to this guy. Having him be a baseball player was catering towards more of a male audience because they think, oh, what is a very masculine space? What is the most masculine of spaces where I could set this so that I can show that a very masculine person could be interested in romance novels? And she picked sports, which I did think makes sense. Yeah. But the baseball thing really meant nothing otherwise. It's just, it wasn't thoroughly explored. Like, it is such, and that's what, it is just frustrating because I think it was a it was an opportunity that was kind of missed. Right. And that's the most like I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I think that's and I think that's what it is. Because yeah. I go into this this podcast obviously wanting to like the books, wanting to be positive. These the people who write these books do it out of passion. It's toil and it's it's just trying to get your art out there so i respect that but when a a, when a when there's things like this that i feel like could have been done better and the characters could have been more well drawn and you know i guess maybe it's because i want other men to be able to read romances and Mm -hmm. i feel like if they read this book it wouldn't change their mind that I think is what I'm trying to get at. And that is such a disappointment because I think that men would be better served as they say in this book, as this, the whole crux of this book is men would be well served to read a romance or two because it is written by women with their point of view and it shows what they want. And that, mm-hmm. and that's great. And that's in this book. But like you said, it's just, said in the in 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 uh it's just regurgitated it it doesn't come from a true character or a true place and right. that's disappointing to me yeah and i think it's also disappointing that sort of showing gavin completely changed was him just being like present and available to his daughters as well in a way where it's like they don't set him up as being a bad father before this but she's basically like, well, he makes them pancakes on Saturday mornings and other things. And I'm like, well, they are his children. <laughs> so yes, they need to be fed and it is his right. job to feed them. Right, exactly. It's like, well, he should be giving them baths and feeding them and engaging with them and uh, worried about their well-being and, you know, all those things. And I was like, I don't. I think that would work if he was not their father. Like if this was a story of like him courting a single mother, then I'm like, Oh, I get seeing him with the children, how well he is. That would be a good thing, but he's their father. So you don't get brownie points for doing very basic parenting things. That almost just shows me like how awful he was before that. It's like if him making pancakes on Saturday is a big deal, 
what was he like what what was he doing before was he one of those guys who says that he's babysitting his own children like I also don't think that this book was necessarily a bad book. And I think if you do like this book, I totally get it. I think my thing is like, I think it could have just used like one or two more passes maybe, or like, I, cause I think there's a lot there that's really interesting. And there's a lot of really interesting questions that she poses. And, and there's a lot of things about the book that I really did enjoy, but I think if you don't have that connection between the hero and the heroine, then it's not going to be a, a favorite book of mine because that's the end of the day. Like what you're reading for is to, to read these two people. I do also think it's really difficult. This is the first book in a series. And I think first books in series can be really dicey sometimes because you're trying to do a lot in one book. And in the book within the book, I was like, wow, that's a great idea. And I was totally unfulfilled by those segments the courting the countess yeah like there's so much that could have been done in those segments that i felt like wow what a missed opportunity here you know if if your whole thesis is going to be like the transformative power of romance i like it i think it's true it definitely like reading romance has helped my life in a lot of different ways um you you need it to be a better romance or you need it to be to make more sense why this book would have inspired so much that thing you do which is a great movie and i know you're a fan and i think we've probably talked about it on this podcast at yeah. least once maybe more than that the power of that movie is that the song is a great song and it's a catchy song and it's a song that could have been a hit at the time that the that the movie was set. Right. And that makes that movie. If that song wasn't catchy, it'd still be a good movie, but it wouldn't be the movie it is because they were able to nail the element that they needed to nail. That song needed to be so good and catchy that it transformed this young band's life. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do that with a romance novel you've got to make the romance novel that good. It's got to be great. And it just wasn't. Right. But again, all of this is like, this book was such a good idea. It was such a good idea. And I understand why it is being turned into a, a series or a movie, right? It's yeah, it got option. optioned it. I think yeah, and yeah, it, it should have be been. It should have right. been. And I get it. I just... And especially as a guy who has read a lot of romance at this point, I wish this could have been the thing that it was supposed to be, which was a gateway to romance for guys. Yeah. And maybe the movie will be or the series, whatever the Netflix thing is, and that'll be great. If I was going to recommend a romance to another guy, I w- I w- this wouldn't be the one I'd start with. I, I this wouldn't be one that I would recommend, unfortunately. What would you recommend if you were like, say you had a bromance book club? Motherfucking Dreaming of You. Because <laughs> that's the one that got me. I yeah. defy any red-blooded male to read Derek Craven and not think he is one of the baddest motherfuckers they've ever read about in <laughs> any genre, anywhere. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like, it, it didn't have to be completely catered to me. It didn't have to be hitting me over the head to understand the power of a what a romance novel can be. Now, here's the honest truth, though. I think, and not to brag, I'm a little bit more open to those kind of things than some other people would be. Right. Like it might, if I showed them a Lisa Claypass novel and that cover, they might say, no thanks. But I do think that if they did read it, if I put a different cover up, if I put like, you know, Derek Craven beating the shit out of those guys who slashed his face on the cover and it was that cover and gave it to them and that was the book, they'd be like, that that was great. They'd be like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is like, I think there are there are so many other books that we've read for this podcast that I would recommend to men 
to give them a view of, number one, why romance is important, how it can be as good as any other genre of fiction, and also can teach you about uh, uh, the point of view of a woman. Mm -hmm. We've read so many. There's like too many to list that we've read. Do you feel like you understand women better now having read 69 books? I would say that I, I would hope I do. And it's unfortunate that I probably haven't had as much uh, interaction with women as I would have liked to have since <laughs> I started this podcast. And I'd like to blame it all on COVID, but it isn't all because <laughs> of COVID. But I do think once this period is over and I get kind of back out there, I do think that it's going to make a difference. I really do. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Will from the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. We're proud to be part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Our show is for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. New episodes are available every Monday. You can find us at BigGayFictionPodcast.com and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We hope you'll join us soon. Until then, keep turning those pages and keep reading. We're so deep into this. The, the, the big question has not been asked yet. Would you fuck them? I mean, no. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I wouldn't fuck any of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gavin sounded very attractive. And uh, Thea was small. That was the only real descriptor we had of her. So, you know, it's hard to really get, uh, you know, get excited over that as the uh, sole descriptor of someone. Yeah, because he could rest his chin on her on the top of her head. Yeah. I mean, it was sexy when he was talking about, like, being able to, like, flip her over and stuff in bed. Like, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy that part, but I think... You know, it's also that thing of like these two people together probably like clearly do end up having really amazing sex. But, you know, they yeah, what did, that's good for them. What did you think of the sex scenes? I mean, I really thought the sex scenes were great. I mean, the scenes where it didn't sort of work, I thought were really still like interestingly done and well done. Um, and then sort of the final at the end where they're in the hotel room and she's basically comes like five times in one night. I thought that was really well done, too. Like, I really liked the sex scenes a lot. Yes, there was not that many, understandably, because it was working up to them. Mm -hmm. But I did think that they were done well. And especially the one that I mentioned previously, when, you know, they're they're trying and, you know, he's really trying to get her to come. And she's really trying very hard to come for him to just make everything better and go away. That's the best kind of sex scene in a romance where... It was so integral to the plot. Right, exactly. And I, and I really like that. And yeah, I think the, the end where they just get to fuck like rabbits is great and it's cathartic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but as individuals, I mean, it'd be very, there's, I mean, Gavin is hot, but nothing that like, and I, I think he's kind of selfish. Like I, like, that's the thing is like, I never, I didn't think he deserved a second chance. So Right. It's hard for me to want to fuck him. Like, I feel like he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> exactly. Like, he ain't getting this ass because, you know, I got more standards than that. And you, she never yeah. she never popped for me in a way that I was like, I'll have sex with her. Mm-hmm. You know, but of course, I'd make her come in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Of course not. I would never make her come. <laughs> There'd be a lot of conversations. We've established that it would be quite a time. On this episode, I've I've only done extremes. <laughs> it's like a hundred percent or zero percent is is how I'm feeling right now. I'm very manic. Yeah, no moderation. No moderation. You can't. Should we do Goodreads list? Oh, let's do it. I love the Goodreads. So this must be on a lot of Goodreads lists because it's a popular well, book, correct? It's a popular book. It's a new book. It came out in 2019 and it was on a lot of like very anticipated romance lists. So I didn't add those in because I don't think they add much. And then so not a ton outside of those. Okay. Um, but uh, one category, uh, one list is books with similar illustrations. So 
You're just going to have okay. to believe me that they all looked similar. I'm going to have to trust that this list maker did their homework. And mm-hmm. from our history with Goodreads list makers, I'm not so confident. But I'm going to be, listen, I'm going to err. I'm going to not assume wrong. I'm going to assume right so it can stay on the list. Romance book covers to adore. Uh, yes, for what it is, I think it does a really great job of conveying that. Yeah, I think it's a good cover. Humor and comedy. I did not find this to be especially funny. I think it attempted to be funny, absolutely. But I do think that it was not up my alley. So it can stay on the list. Yeah. Comedy is subjective, so therefore stays on the list. Book clubs and fiction. That is correct. There is a book club. (laughs) Hall of Fame best sports books. No, this is not a sports book. Uh Uh-huh. If somebody was like, what is a, what is a sports romance? I would not recommend this book. Because he's an athlete, but there's not, but it's, it's not integral enough to the plot. And I don't think it was especially knowledgeable about the sport. Yeah. Star Champion, of course, is the one I would recommend. Oh, Star Champion's amazing. That was such a good book. Um, Because it's a made-up sport. (laughs) Yeah, and it felt very real, too. I loved it. Um, And then the last list is books with book in the title. See, now, I hope that this list was made during COVID. (laughs) Because if it wasn't, you have way too much time on your hands during regular time. So... I'm scared for this person during this time if they weren't making this list. Because <laughs> they must be crawling up the wall. Yeah. Right? Because they already made the the list of books with book in the title. Right. So what are you going to do next? <laughs> what? That is Where do you crazy... go? Where do you go from there? Insanity. <laughs> that is a crazy list. Yeah. Think about somebody who has the time... And the need to want to do that, and to and to make it public. And yeah, if you're but a listener, if you're looking for a list of books with book in the title, you're thanking this person because, <laughs> like, now you have a list. You don't have to like comb but through. Like, so it's really a positive. What is what is the attraction to a book with book in the title? I don't know. I, I, I got nothing. Really, okay, if you are a listener, I hope you're an, a, a listener. You have the time. You have the time to listen to these. Please email us and tell us what made you think to do this. I would do an interview. It would be our longest interview ever. This list maker. And it might end in an arrest. It might end in somebody going, going, going away for a long time. Clayton, what are your tropes? Oh, my tropes. I have them written down on a piece of paper. Wow. Because last time, I think uh, one of the episodes recently, I was looking on my phone and it made noises on the mic and I got really upset at myself because I know better. Yeah. I know better. Shotgun wedding. He can't make her come. Secret club, which the cover is blown at the end. Uh, Baseball player romance. Co-opting someone else's wedding. So at the end of this book, she she goes to her father's wedding. Right. He shows up. Gavin shows up. And just makes it their wedding. Yeah. Like he, he goes in there and he, and he gets down on his knee and he asks her to like remarry him, basically. And just totally co-ops that wedding in a way that I feel like is not cool and kind of shows that Gavin is very much about the drama and, and, and doesn't really think about other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Meddling sister. Cause Liz was uh, meddling. Mm-hmm. Was it live or Liz? Well, uh, it was live. L-I-V, live. Damn. I hope I wasn't saying Liz this whole time. You, ha- you, you went back and forth. It's okay. God Damn it. We're going to get nailed for that. You know it. You are. Yep. I think you need to just put a disclaimer up front. Separation with stipulations. There's a lot of stipulations going on. And second chance romance. Nice. Uh, Aaron, what 
What are your tropes? So I have second chance romance using a manual because he sort of uses the romance novel as a manual for how to get his wife back. Quick marriage, couple that isn't great in bed at the beginning, book club, secret societies because our book club is like kind of, is a uh, secret society. Men leaning because I do think that's a big deal. A good lean. Uh, sports romance, bad dads. She has a bad dad. Grand gestures. Yep. They talk a lot about him doing a final grand gesture. Uh, male friends and men encouraging relationships. It is sweet that the men in the club were very like, not like, oh, dump her. Like she doesn't want you anymore. They were very much like, no, you need to make this work. You need to be better for her. And I did appreciate that. Yeah. It's nice to see people not giving up, Mm -hmm. especially pro athletes who could just have a woman in every city. Right. You You love the lean, but you know, I'm old school. If you have time to lean, you got time to clean, my friend. <laughs> you got something better to do, you know? Right. That's not true. If you have time to lean, lean near me. Whoa. I want to see it. Does Pat love to lean and clean? He loves to clean, and I think maybe if he did a little less cleaning, a little more lean in, it could be better. <laughs> Boom. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm uh, to give him a book to read. Uh, all right, Clay, what has you swooning this week? I just rewatched a movie that I didn't love the first time I watched it, but I really liked it this time. Mistress America, the oh, Noah Baumbach that. movie, mm-hmm. co-written by Greta Gerwig, starring Lola Kirk, who I think does a really, really awesome job. Great soundtrack. All about, you know, it's a New York City movie, which is awesome. I think the reason I didn't like it as much when I first watched it was because I loved Francis Ha. That was the first movie that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig did together. That movie is one of my favorite movies, and I just think it's 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 maybe flawless. And so this is a little bit wackier, a little bit more screwball, and it didn't resonate with me as much at the time, but now... I love it. I think I I watched it twice. I, I rented it and watched it twice before the rental expired. So big fan of Mistress America. And also Francis Ha, if you've not watched Francis Ha, definitely watch that. Aaron, what has you swooning? I mean, honestly, I there was nothing this week. Um, you know, it was a tough week. I think, well, you know, I think the thing that I can swoon about is that you know something that my grandmother passing away was obviously really uh tough and hard for a lot of reasons um but one way that it wasn't hard was that i'm really grateful that as an adult i called her as much as i did and we were able to have really long conversations Um, where I felt like I was able to relate to her as an adult and she was able to relate to me as an adult um, and asked a lot of hard questions of her um, and was really engaged and interested in her opinions on things. And and it was so valuable to me that obviously I wish that, you know, she didn't pass away, but I, I don't feel like I have any regrets with her. So I would say, you know, it seems trite to have it be like a swoon, but it's sort of the thing I've been thinking about most lately is that, you know, if you do have those people in your life who are older, it just be, you can still change the relationship you have with them and, and to call them and ask them hard questions or interesting questions or listen to their stories because um, it's so valuable and they'll really surprise you. And there was a lot of things that she said or opinions she had or things she did that really, really surprised me. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, we had all of those conversations. So, um, and, and all that knowledge that she imparted on you, it, it lives on. Exactly. It, it's in, it's, it's inside you now and you can pass that on. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can learn so much from the generations before you mm-hmm. that it's it's sad sometimes when people don't don't recognize that. And it's it's awesome that you recognize that. Yeah. Well, a funny story of her that I always like to tell is like she's she was a big reader, like always. She always read a ton of books. Um, 
and she read, you know, when I was probably like 11 or 12, like she read The Horse Whisperer. And it was about horses. And I was a horse girl that's been well established. Uh, but The Horse Whisperer, it's like there are like sex scenes in it. So she took a post-it and she cut up the post-it and she highlighted every sex scene in the book. And she gave it to my parents and said, like, I think Aaron would like this book, but you have to approve that these sex scenes are okay. And my parents were just sort of like, that's fine. And of course, so I get the book with all the sex scenes already highlighted for me. And I read <laughs> so- those immediately. <laughs> that's so funny. And I was like, ooh, this is exciting. But uh, I think it showed sort of who she was, too, that she was very... Um, you know, a voracious reader and she wanted to share a book that she really loved with somebody who she loved, um, but also that she would sort of take that time to be like, well, I want to make sure that, you know, everyone's okay with it. So um, she was really, uh, she was really wonderful and she was a really wonderful grandmother. Aw, that's sweet. If you have different opinions than us, if you want to recommend a book to us, if you just want to say hi, if you want to tell us what you've been reading and watching in quarantine, basically anything you can always email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter at learning tropes uh instagram at learning the tropes um and then we always say we have our facebook group the learning the tropes troop it's really fun place to be we try to always let the troop know big things first so sort of what our books are going to be next month or if anything exciting is coming up we always want to let them know so if you want to go ahead and join we'd love to have you you have to answer questions to come in but like spoiler alert i let everybody in it's just to make sure there's not like no robots or like weirdos um and then next week we're continuing the tradition of three books in a movie which i think we're we're kind of jiving on we really like um so the movie for next week's episode is while you were sleeping uh it's available on hulu um and i'm sure itunes and everything else as well uh I feel like people sort of brought that up a few times. We were talking about great rom-coms and I just love it. And I want a chance to watch it again. So that's what we're watching. It's also probably available on a lot of your DVD shelves, a lot of your VHS shelves. <laughs> you probably uh, you bought this in the nineties and you've moved with it three times. And why do you still have it? Well, now you can watch it. All right. And then Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. Bye bye, everybody. Stay safe. Motherfucking dreaming of you.